Well, hello and welcome to another episode of CISO Tradecraft, the podcast that provides you with the information, knowledge, and wisdom to be a more effective cybersecurity leader. My name is G. Mark Hardy, and today we're going to look at the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, or CMMC, and explore why this just might become a template for nearly every industry segment in the United States. Now, seriously, if you don't think this applies to you, you really need to keep listening, as, as this episode could give you a huge jump on your professional competition. And as always, please follow us on LinkedIn, and make sure you subscribe so you can always get the latest updates. We're getting... Breaches are continuously now in the news. It's not just PII, but sensitive, competitive information that's critical to our nation's defense. What we find out is that the Defense Industrial Base, or DIB, consists of over 300,000 businesses, universities, and organizations. And they perform research, engineering, design, production, delivery, operations of maintaining, and even resupplying weapon systems. Consider that this is for all intents and purposes, a supply chain for the Department of Defense. Now, the past administration deemed a steady stream of supply chain compromises to be unacceptable, and DOD, along with Carnegie Mellon uh, Software Engineering Institute, uh, developed the first draft of the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, or the CMMC. Well, how bad is it? If we take a look at the uh, Verizon's 2019 data breach investigation report, the DBIR, identified organizations with less than 250 employees as really the biggest phishing target and the highest targeted email rates. That represents potentially small businesses that may be involved in defense as well as non-defense activities. But of course, here we're, we're more focusing on the defense. Uh, cyber espionage uh, actors are state-affiliated or nation-state responsible for 96% of those breaches. So it's pretty clear who's out there doing this. And 78% of those breaches involve phishing of some sort, suggesting that there's a long way to go between where we are now and the ability to uh, deny the enemy that initial foothold into our network systems. Juniper Research estimates cybercrime data breach losses will exceed about $5 trillion by 2024. Uh, to put that in perspective, the president's proposed budget for FY21 totaled only $4.8 trillion. <clears throat> It's a huge amount of money. Basically, we're getting robbed blind. And so after a series of high-profile DOD breaches, the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition and Sustainment, or here's your alphabet soup, the OUSDANS, announced in July of 2019 the CMMC initiative to assess and enhance the cybersecurity posture of the defense industrial base. So what's in there? The goal of the CMMC is to provide a cybersecurity framework for improving these DIB organizations. There's 17 domains of technical capability and five levels of certification, level one through level five, and specific practices for each domain. To come up with these ideas, there's two primary reference documents, although there's several others, but the two key ones, first one is FIPS or Federal Information Processing Standard, Publication 200. It establishes the minimum security requirements for federal information systems in 17 different areas. Things such as access control, awareness and training, audit and accountability, certification, accreditation, security, configuration management, etc. And what we find then is that these represent the core areas or the core families of actions that we need to take to go ahead and protect our enterprise and our infrastructure. 
The second document is the NIST or National Institute of Standards Special Publication 800-TAC-171, Rev-2, entitled Protecting Controlled Unclassified Information in Non-Federal Systems and Organizations. Although the first document, uh, Pub 200, is only 17 pages, this is a bit more substantial at 113 pages. And for your reading pleasure, I'd also recommend NIST Special Publication 853, Rev-5, topping out well into the 400-page range, you know, the security and privacy controls for information systems and organization. Ah, okay, so tons of reading, tons of background and things such as that. How does this all come together? So let's take a quick look at the CMMC and see what we're trying to do. The program establishes five different levels. The first level, CMMC level one, is basic cyber hygiene. It's based on 48 Code of Federal Regulations, 52.204-21. If you want to look that up, I guess you could, but that's the section of the law that says basic safeguarding of covered contractor information systems. It's foundational for the higher levels. It's basically, you've got to start here. Everybody is going to need to do at least CMMC level one, but you don't always end here. It has no requirement for process maturity. Now, this consists of 17 different controls. This is the only one I'm actually going to go into and, and talk about them because the others get bigger and bigger until we end up with a couple hundred of them. And it's far too many to read and be totally boring. But this might be interesting to take a look at the five basic families of controls that we're looking at here with respect to CMMC level one. The first one is access control. Then there's media protection, physical protection, system and communications protection system and information integrity. And these represent then the five areas that we have to work. Now, again, as I indicated before, there's a total of 17 areas, uh, but these first controls happen to map into five. So things, what would we do here at the basic level? At access control, um, control one, limit information system access to authorized users and devices. I mean, this is basic hygiene, right? Verify and control and limit connections to external systems. All right. Control information posted or processed on publicly accessible systems. That makes sense. Uh, identification and authentication. Actually, that's the sixth one. And what that contains of is what? Looking at identifying information system users, processing actions on behalf of the users or the devices, and authenticating them. And again, what we're trying to find out here is not so much that we're going to change everything that we're doing, but rather what we're trying to understand is what are the elements that are going to be a typical approach for how do we go ahead and protect. Uh, media protection, sanitize or destroy your systems containing federal contract information before you dispose of it. And, and again, the physical access limitation systems. Again, I'm, I'm really resisting the urge to just kind of I read them because, quite honestly, you're not going to get that out of a podcast. You're going to get that better from a reading. And more to the point, I'm trying to gain an understanding of how, how basic level one is. It's the basic cyber hygiene, and it suggests that if you can go ahead and get certified at this level, you're doing foundational elements of making sure your program is okay. Some organizations are going to stop at CMMC level one. That's really all you need to get in the door to say, hey, I'm processing federal contract information, and that's FCI or the like. But 
The thing is, at some point in time, some of these organizations are going to be processing controlled, unclassified information. So let's take a quick look at that. The federal contract information is going to be pertaining to what pertains to the uh, federal government, the contracting data that's related in there. And for the most part, it's um, information provided by or generated by the government for the government under contract, and it hasn't been or will publicly be released in a reasonable period of time. And therefore, if you're creating information that is going to be for the government, but it's not going to be secret, top secret, or even unclassified but controlled, then we're probably okay with that. When it comes to looking at CUI or the controlled unclassified information, that becomes a little bit more important for us. And that what we're looking at is to say, how do we go ahead and protect ourselves or actually we'll protect the data that is going to be involved with regard to that. Now, the controlled unclassified information is going to be items that are essentially, I don't know, not going to be made public in general. We used to have included things like FOUO for official use only, uh, can also include things such as information that might be privacy related, et cetera. Uh, in general, it's not classified. It's not going to be the secret stuff that says, here's a weapons design program. But it's information that nonetheless could be um, some potential danger or, I guess, problem uh, to the United States if we lose control over that. Okay, so CUI, government created their own information that requires safeguarding in accordance with different laws and rules and things such as that. All right, at level two in the CMMC, that's called intermediate cyber hygiene, all of a sudden, the number of requirements goes up for this documented level. There's 55 new practices for a total of 72. Essentially, you don't really aim for level two. Level two is designed as a bridge to level three, which we'll cover in a moment. And it's on safeguarding, as I said, the FCI and begin the protection of the CUI. Those are the acronyms of using, again, federal contract information, controlled and classified information. It introduces the concept of process maturity. At level two, you're expected to perform and document some key cybersecurity functions. The next plateau is going to be CMMC level three, labeled as good cyber hygiene or managed. This includes the Federal Acquisition Regulation or FAR practices, NIST Special Publication 800, TAC 171, Rev 1 controls, and 20 additional practices for a total of 130 required processes across those 17 domains. This is for contractors that create or access the controlled and classified information. And at level three, this requires a detailed review of policies, practices, and dedicated resources to meet the plans and activities as stated. CMMC level four is proactive approach. It's called reviewed, if you will. It focuses now on protecting our CUI from advanced persistent threats, or APTs and will encompass the draft NIST standard special publication 800 TAC 171 Bravo. This adds 26 additional controls for a total of 156, and it's gonna draw from different frameworks, like as NIST 853, as I said, 171 Bravo, ISO 27002, Center for Internet Security Critical Security Controls, 
And there's going to be even some unattributed references that seem like a good idea, but didn't really tie back to any particular document. Again, four tends to be more of a bridge, like two, and four will take you to CMMC level five. Advanced or progressive, this is where security is optimized. It's the highest level of protection against advanced persistent threats. It adds a final additional 15 controls for a total of 171. Now, some additional controls will include analyzing, detecting, mitigating malicious action scripts, um, establishing and managing an active response team. It's valuable 24 by 7. Annual system reviews using the latest threat intelligence, identifying and fixing improper log management activities, and even engaging automated response actions in real-time asset tracking. Very ambitious program designed to counter the hemorrhaging of information going from the defense industrial base to competitors of the United States. And as a result, it's going to be a program that, in my opinion, is going to really start to pick up steam over the next few years. Now, how is this all going to come together? It's one thing to claim that we have a program. It's another to go ahead and implement it. So what's the primary reference for this whole world of doing these assessments? The main website is going to be cmmcab.org, the CMMC accreditation body website or cmmcab.org and in the entity uh, ecosystem here we have entities that will include a c3pao i'll explain all these terms a bit sound it sounds like something out of star wars but it's not the assessors the registered provider organizations registered practitioners organizations that are seeking certification licensed partner publishers and even licensed training providers all of this is defined here on that website. And let's walk through a little bit of the definition. So if you asked about CMMC, you have an understanding of who's who in the zoo. At the top level is the CMMC accreditation body, known as CMMC-AB. It's authorized by the U.S. Department of Defense to be the sole authoritative source for the operationalization, say that fast five times, of CMMC assessments and training with the DOD contractor community. Okay, that comes right from their website. It was founded as a Maryland nonprofit in January of 2020. They brought in their first permanent staff in November of that year, and they have an exclusive contract with DOD to create and manage the CMMC ecosystem. They're in the process of becoming an official 501c3 nonprofit. It takes a couple of years to do all that paperwork, as well as working toward the ISO 17011 accreditation body conformity certification. Basically, if you're going to be an accreditation body, there is an ISO standard that shows you the proper way to do that, and they're working on that. Let's look at some of the entities in there. One of the important ones are going to be a CMMC third-party assessment organization, or C3PAO. At the time of this uh, podcast, exactly two organizations have been approved. Kratos Technology and Redspin. Unless you think this is going to be a near monopoly and they're going to be going ahead and collecting all the money in the world for it, there are 172 additional candidates in the wings. These are slowly working their way through, and you might expect to see press releases as the weeks go by of additional organizations being approved as C3PAOs. This is a big deal, and these are the organizations that can actually come through and do the certification for a score. And what they say, once it's reviewed and uh, 
if you will, blessed by the uh, auditors say, you've got it. These are the auditors who come in there and can make something happen. Now, how about the people doing the work? If you want to be a certified assessor, the classes that are required to be a CMMC certified professional assessor um, have still not been authorized. These classes should start to come online about mid to late summer 2021. And at that point, you can sign up. Uh, if you complete those classes and then take the exam, you could be certified as an assessor. So here's the interesting thing. Technically, there are zero certified assessors as of now. Well, how do you get this thing off the ground? There are 101 listed provisional assessors, and these are people selected at random from the applicants to bootstrap the program beginning back in July of around 2020. And they're authorized to conduct these assessments for SCORE. That is to say, they count for up to six months after these formal classes become available, at which point only the graduates of those classes and the people who pass the exams can then go ahead and conduct those assessments. So this gets the program off the ground, but of course, you've got a more permanent solution coming forward. Now, when you look at CMMC assessors, there are four different levels. The entry-level certification is called a CCP, a Certified CMMC Professional. Basically, you can participate as a team member if you're under the supervision of a certified assessor. And as of now, it's the only level that really exists. Uh, all the other ones I'm about to mention are still in the planning stages, but they're, they're coming down the line reasonably soon. The next level would be a CMMC Certified Assessor Level 1. And they are allowed to collect, con conduct the level one assessments, and they can supervise other CMMC professionals. And after performing three assessments, they can use the CCA1 logo, Certified CMMC Assessor Level 1 logo, after doing three assessments. And the requirement is to be a U.S. person, meaning you're a citizen or a green card holder, and you've got to pass a 15-point background check. Which means that, again, remember the goal here is to provide some assurance for the U.S. defense industrial base, hence the requirement for being a U.S. person. The next level up would be a certified CMMC assessor level three. And these folks can conduct the assessments at levels one, two, or three, and also supervise CMMC professionals. Similar to like a level one, if you do three assessments, you can do the CCA3 logo. Now, after 15 assessments, you can apply for the CCA5 credential, which I'll discuss next. Now, at this point, we're not just looking for somebody who can, hey, I'm a U.S. person and pass a background check. This is a requirement to be a U.S. citizen, have four or more years of cyber experience, and pass security clearance checks. However, that Passing the check doesn't grant you a security clearance. It just shows that you could be eligible for one. At the top of the ecosystem is a certified CMMC assessor level five. These individuals may conduct assessments at any level and supervise any certified professional. And if you so desire, you can use the CCA5 logo. Certified assessors then are going to become the core of the people doing the work. And what we'll find out then is although there's none certified today, we're going to get to that point. Well, the thing is, is that what if um, we're, how do we get there from here? Well, how do organizations know 
whether or not they're ready for an assessment. There's an establishment of organizations called an RPO, a Registered Provider Organizations. Right now in the marketplace, there's 513 of them. And to a certain extent, it lists a little bit like a yellow pages. Some companies are buying to be in the first page because they start their description with a zero or a one so that they bubble up to the top. Uh, these RPOs are able to offer advice, consulting, recommendations, but not official assessments. Sometimes these are referred to as non-certified services. Well, why would you want that? You're not going to want to pay the whole lot of money to go ahead and have the auditor show up and not be ready. So these are individuals who have agreed to the CMMC accreditation body code of professional contact conduct, I'm sorry, has registered and received authorization and signed the RPO agreement and passed an organizational background check and also have to have at least one registered practitioner associated with this RPO at all times. Now, these certifications can be renewed annually. The cost is about 5000 Well, it is $5,000 each year, including the first one. So it's non-trivial. When we get to the registered practitioners, this is the biggest group of people in this ecosystem today. As of the time I'm recording this, I found 1,685 RPs, and the number is growing. These are people who are able to offer consulting advice, but not assessments. If you're interested, for example, you say, hey, this looks pretty good. I might want to get in on this. As a registered practitioner, there's a $200 application fee. Uh, but that's not all. You'll need to attend accredited CMMC classes, a minimum of eight hours of training, and then spend $275 to take the certified CMMC professional test. So we said that's the only level that exists right now. When they come up with an assessor level one test, the beta is expected around August of 2021. That's going to be $325. And also about the same time, the level three test should be coming out, and that's about $450. The interesting thing I thought was this, you have to pay $2,500 a day plus expenses to be observed by an accreditation body credentialed individual. Interesting. And that, uh, that sounds like you want to get in that pyramid early. <laughs> and then add annual maintenance fees ranging from $150 to $500, depending upon what level you're at. So that'll be the largest number of people that are out there. I have some friends who've gotten their RP. They said it's pretty straightforward. And then they're kind of getting positioned to be able to interact with this whole world that's supposed to be coming online quite a bit in the next few, you know, several months and definitely over the next year or two. What the program calls an OSF, an organization seeking its certification, by 2025, all DOD suppliers are going to need a CMMC certification. And this is not auditors show up on a Monday and then they're done by Wednesday. They expect the preparation and maybe engaging an RP to get some advice and then eventually completing it. Could take six months or more. Now, optionally, as I mentioned, you can engage an RPO for a pre-assessment. But ultimately, once you think you're ready to go, you have to contact the C3PAO. Now, are these initials making sense to you. Remember, RPO is your registered provider organization and your C3PAO is your CMMC third-party assessment organization. Or as a quick kind of alphabet soup review is that your RPO can only do pre-assessments, 
but the C3PAO can do the real assessment. Now remember, there's only two of them today that are authorized to do that. The CMMCAB reviews the assessment with quality auditors, which means that getting donuts for the assessors won't guarantee you a passing score. And then the organization seeking certification has 90 days to resolve those findings. Once that is done, certifications are valid for three years. The last two entities to round out this ecosystem are licensed partner publishers and licensed training providers. For the partner publisher, there's 16 of them so far out of a maximum 20 spots that have been authorized to date, which means they're not taking any more applications. They say they've already got enough to fill the last four. And the organizations who have submitted to be a licensed partner publisher need at least 200 hours of published coursework in cybersecurity or auditing and a couple years of publishing history. And here the cost is $5,000 a year in fees to stay there. What will happen is the LPPs are developing approved curriculum for either online or in-person based on a CMMC body of knowledge learning objectives and can deliver the training using the last group of people we'll talk about, the licensed training providers. What was interesting is just uh, in June, the CMMCAB had a press release that said, quote, only educational content that comes from a CMMC licensed partner publisher will be considered approved training material for preparing for the upcoming CMMCAB individual certification exams. Close quote. The idea being is that if there's um, Wildcat or Rogue training out there, hey, uh, download it for $99 or get something for free. The thought is, is that was not going to be considered approved training material. Now, can you learn stuff? that way? Yes. Is it wise to do it that way? Probably not, because the opportunity of then not being able to pass the test because you didn't prepare well doesn't really set you up for success. The last entity in the ecosystem is a licensed training provider. There are, as of today, 43 of these organizations, and they must deliver at least one class annually using the CMMCAB approved training material, and it has to be taught by the CMMCAB certified instructors. Also costs $5,000 in fees annually. And the same press release I referred to earlier says, quote, only training services provided by a CMMC licensed training provider will serve as a valid prerequisite for sitting for a CMMCAB certification exam. And further, quote, only individuals obtaining training from authorized CMMCAB providers will receive a CMMCAB professional number. Okay, that kind of closes the door on uh, the stripes we train ourselves, sir, approach. To be able to go ahead and get your ticket, you must obtain training from a certified licensed training provider, and they must use material that comes from a licensed partner publisher. So this is a closed ecosystem. And the goal there is to ensure the control and the quality of all this information. One of the th plans of the future is to create a certified CMMC instructor and master instructor. They will be known as CCI and CCMI, respectively. And they're still working on those requirements. Okay, there's plenty of information you can find out there about, about CMMC. What I want to do is outline some of those areas for you as a CISO or as a senior leader, making sure you understand what's involved, when you might be called on to do that, 
and what the basic process is, and the approximate time frame. And if you actually want to get involved doing it personally, some of the fees and the titles. Again, cmmcab.org, outstanding reference for finding out pretty much everything you need. Really start from there. Now, here's some thoughts for you. The um, CMMC has been under development for a couple of years, and Department of Defense has mandated this compliance for the defense industrial base. And it references the controlled unclassified information instead of the term covered defense information, CDI, which received direction for safeguarding in 2017 under what are called the DFAR clauses. Now, that to me suggests there's a potentially broader role in the future than just Department of Defense. This was deliberately done for COI, not CDI. On the 12th of May, President Biden signed an executive order on improving the nation's cybersecurity and protecting federal government networks. I did a whole show on that, and you can look it up if you want more details. It included an emphasis on improving software supply chain security, detecting incidents, and improving remediation capabilities. Now, a number of the deadlines are now being reached with many people are turning to to make this vision a reality. Uh, the nation's first national cyber director, which follows in the footsteps of Richard Clark, who is a special advisor to President Bush. Amit Yaran, the national cybersecurity director to President Bush. And Howard Schmidt, who is a cybersecurity coordinator for President Obama. Um, this first position is confirmed by the Senate on the 17th of June. It's Chris Inglis. Chris spent eight years as the deputy director of the NSA and as a career at NSA, who was also a brigadier in the reserve, so an extremely well-qualified individual, an amazing patriot. He's delivered excellence in every role he's ever served and should be a role model for those wishing to make a difference in life. Now, here's a thought for you. Connect the dots. Do you really think the president is going to turn to his advisor who spent 28 years at NSA, which is a part of the Department of Defense, and Chris is going to recommend... Nah, let's not use this mature DOD framework for the rest of the government. We'll pick something else. <laughs> not. In my opinion, my prediction is that CMMC is going to expand beyond the Department of Defense to include all federal contracting requirements. And state governments would be wise to follow, finally, a cybersecurity lead from the federal government and large enterprises that rely on significant supply chain inputs for their goods and services also have a solid template to proceed. This is going to be huge, in my opinion. So just something to think about. It's a prediction. But this thing is going to grow legs, and it's going to go places. Well, that's all we have for today. So thank you very much for your time and for your interest. I'm looking forward to sharing with you another CISO Tradecraft podcast. My name again is G. Mark Hardy. Best wishes for continued success in your career and stay safe.